Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Oh, please be seated. Thank you guys for joining us. There's even people way up in the, wow, up there in the, in the balcony. That's so cool. That's, now this, isn't this church, amen everybody? This is what church is supposed to be like, right? We, you know, it's been since, uh, it's been a long time, I don't even remember. I mean, we've been blessed to be outside and outside was feeling really good. Uh, it was nice to be outside, but to be honest, when we would come in here to, to do the live recording, and it was just me worshiping right there with the, with the band, and I felt like it was my own personal worship service, which is really cool, but to hear the voices of the congregation behind you, there's nothing that beats that. And so thank you guys so much for uh, enduring and for uh, joining us this morning, and really thank you so much for the media team in the back those three guys and, and some others have really helped us keep the church going and ministering to you guys when you were at home and to those who are home right now. And again, just thank you guys all for joining us. It's so good to see so many people here and some faces that we haven't seen in a long time. So, and even my mom joined us, so that was good. <laughs> so, she doesn't have to wave uh, through the TV to say hi to her son. So. Well, open your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 2, or 62, sorry. You guys are like, what? <laughs> We're almost 62. Uh, just one quick housekeeping note. Uh, after service, we want you to continue fellowship, and uh, out in the patio, there's refreshments and drinks, and so we encourage you guys to either go out the front or the back and have fellowship outside, and, and so we want to encourage you to do that. Um, so Isaiah chapter 62, the title of this morning's sermon is Encouraging the discouraged. I think that's very appropriate for the times that we live uh, watching the news. I don't know about you guys, but it can be very discouraging. It looks like our world is falling apart more and more as the days go by, and you're looking for some encouragement. I mean, what is God, how is God going to move in our society and in our culture? I always wonder that. Sometimes you may wonder, is the Lord watching what is going on in this world? And Maybe even in your own life, you're saying, my, my life is unraveling, it's falling apart, and where is God in all this? It is no different from what Israel was going through in the sense that their world was falling apart more than we could ever imagine. I mean, they were going to be carried off into captivity, in exile, in a foreign country. And Isaiah, as, you, as we've been going through the book of Isaiah, over and over again, has been trying to encourage the discouraged. Trying to say, focus on the Lord. The Lord is going to get us through this. He wants them to keep their eyes focused on God. And as I was thinking of that, I was thinking of when our children were little and we're trying to get them to walk, right? And so one parent or you yourself may put your child down and have them walk towards you, right? And you're like, hey, look at me, son or daughter, whoever it is, uh, and walk towards mom or dad, you know, and they're like totter and they, they might stumble and they might, you know, look around and get, you know, fall down because they just can't do it. And sometimes your, your kid will want to stay on the ground, right, and make you pick them up. 
We're like, no, you need to learn how to walk. Keep your eyes focused on mom and dad, and you'll make it. You know, and then they walk towards you. It's so cute. I was watching Jared this morning walk his, walk, walk his daughter in the back, and I was thinking of that. Uh, one day, you know, she's going to you know, grow and grow and be on her own. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. That's what the Lord is telling Israel. You know what? I'm going to be there for you. But you need to learn to walk on your own. Keep your eyes on me. I'm reminded what the, uh, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 the writer of Proverbs says this, let your, let your eyes uh, directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways be, will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Basically, stay focused on God's path. We get in trouble when we go to the left of the path or to the right of the path and not on the Lord's path. So many of us could probably raise our hand this morning and say, you know what, that is so true. When I'm not walking the way the Lord wants me to walk, I get in all kinds of trouble. I find myself lost and discouraged. And this morning through the prophet Isaiah, I want you to know that there's, there's an encouraging word to you this morning that God wants you to keep your eyes focused on Him. You remember the apostle Peter when he stepped out on the water. And the Lord said to walk towards him. And as long as he was watching the Lord, he was able to walk on water. And when did he fall? When he took his eyes off the Lord and looked at what was going on, and he fell. Again, so I want that to be an encouragement to you this morning. As we go through the book of Isaiah in chapter 62, let's get to that now. And let's hear Isaiah's encouragement to the discouraged people of God. The first thing that he's going to tell them, and for those of you that are taking notes, it is this, that God will deliver his people. God will deliver his people. God is actively moving in the affairs of our world and in their world, even though they didn't see it, even though they didn't understand it, even though they might not have liked what was going on. Isaiah wanted them to know that God is moving. God will deliver his people. And so he writes this. Let's look at the first um, we're going to look at the first verse. He says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, until her salvation like a torch that is burning. Isaiah is reminding his people that God is in control. God is moving. God is not going to keep silent. He's going to fight. He's going to speak on their behalf. So he says that he will not keep silent. He's going to, he's not going to keep quiet. He's going to speak on their behalf. God is not passively watching the things go on in the world at the time. He's moving. They just don't understand it. And so Isaiah is reminding them God is not going to keep quiet. God is going to actively move. He's not going to keep silent. And how long is he going to do that? Isaiah says, until, in verse, at the end of verse 1, until her righteousness goes forth like the brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. That God ne the point is that God never stops. God brings His purpose to completion and His purpose in His people. He's going to make them shine forth like a torch. He's going to use them and accomplish His goal. Not only that, he says, let's look at verses 2 and 3 now. 
that God not only is going to deliver his people, but God's going to reward them in the process of delivering them. He says this, The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory, and you will be called a new name which the mouth of the Lord will designate. And you will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And, excuse me, it will no longer be said of you forsaken, nor to your land will it be any longer said desolate, but you will be called my delight is in her and your land married. For the Lord delights in you and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Isaiah is telling the people that God is going to reward you. He's going to reward you by using you and glorifying you and to be a witness to everybody around that look what God has done. God is not only going to do that, He's going to restore their character and their condition. He's going to make them righteous. God says, when I call somebody to myself, not only do I forgive them, but I make them righteous and clean in my sight. And look at how Isaiah describes God's vision of His people. Go back to verse 3, 4, and 5. It's a beautiful depiction of how God sees His people. And if you are His, this is how God sees you. Never mind how you see yourself, right? We look in the mirror and we see ourselves aging. We know who we are inside and sometimes we may not even like it because we know the things that we think, the things that we do, how we might treat other people. And we are probably hard, we are a lot harder on ourselves than the Lord is. Look at how the Lord sees you if you are His. So just think, Put yourself in Israel's place if you are His this morning. This is what God thinks of you. Again, at the end of verse 2, He says He will give you a new name. God's going to give you a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. So God Himself looks at each of us who are His, and he, in, in His way, you are special to Him. You have a different name than the name your mother or father gave you. It's a special, endearing name. Look at the terms he uses when speaking of Israel. He says, you also will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. I'm sure none of us this morning who are His think of God as, you know, I'm a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. But that's how God sees us. And not only that, and the royal diadem in the hand of your God. And look at what he says in verse 4. It will no longer be said of you forsaken, nor to the land Will it be any longer said desolate? If you remember, and as you've been going through Isaiah with us, God was saying, I'm going to forsake you. I'm going to give you up. I'm going to let you go. And he's saying, and Isaiah is saying, you know what? There's going to be a time in the future, Israel, where God calls you back out of exile, and you are going to be called, you're not going to be forsaken. You're not going to be desolate anymore. A matter of fact, verse 4 says, you are going to be called, my delight is in her. God delights in you if you're His. You're no longer forsaken. You're no longer desolate. As a matter of fact, He gives the picture of being married to you. In verse 5, He describes a marriage. And this is how God looks at us. And He rejoices over us. 
And so this is um, Isaiah's encouragement to God's people. You know what? Not only is God going to save you, not only is God going to deliver you, but He's going to reward you with a new character, a new condition. And God Himself is going to rejoice over you. That's amazing to think about, that God will rejoice over me. Maybe, and you might think of the same thing, how would God rejoice over me? I'm, I'm not that great of a person, right? But God sees us in a different light because we are His children. And so this was Isaiah's encouragement to the nation of Israel. So not only will God deliver His people, not only will God reward His people, but thirdly, God will accomplish what He has promised. This is what verses 6-9 through nine tells us. God will accomplish what He has promised. You know, we are human beings and, and we mess up all the time. We make promises all the time to family, to friends, to co-workers, to children. And we don't always keep them. God is so different than any of us. God keeps His promises. Look at what He says. Isaiah writes, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest yourselves, and give Him no rest until He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by His right hand and by His strong arm, I will never give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it will eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. The Lord is talking about the restoration of His people, which we've been talking about over the past few weeks, right? The Lord's going to allow His children to be disciplined because they deserve it, but when He brings them back, He's going to restore so much to them. That's what these verses are talking about. That God, and God's saying, I'm going to do that. And He uses some very poetic language to explain and remind His people that God is a keeper of His Word. He does not forget. And He does this by saying, I've put watchmen on the, um, what does He say here? On the walls. The picture of ancient times, right? There would be men standing on the walls to warn people when the enemy was coming or to remind people of something that needed to happen. And this is the picture God gives. Not that God needs to be reminded of what He said, but it's an assurance for His people that God knows what's going on, that God does not forget. And so He says, I have appointed watchmen uh, on the walls. And not only that, he goes even further and he says, All day and night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourself. Again, it's, it's a picture of saying, I'm never going to forget. It's like somebody's always reminding the Lord of his word, even though he doesn't need to be reminded. The picture is for the benefit of his people. Right? It's like some of us have an alarm clock that we have to set to wake up. And some of you might have like a snooze alarm that goes on like five times before you actually wake up. Does anybody want to admit that? <laughs> a, back. Yes, I do that, right? I wish I could use an alarm clock. My body just wakes me up at too early. But anyways, uh, some of you need that reminding. And that's what God's saying. It's like, hey, some of you need to be reminded. Just pictures that somebody's reminded me that I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to be asleep on the job. 
I'm always going to do what I say I'm going to do. So even though the world's going crazy and your life may be falling apart, if you are God's child, he's saying, don't worry, I'm going to use that for my glory. I'm in charge of all that is going on. Even in our crazy world, he's saying, I'm in charge of all this craziness. Don't let the world around you discourage you. God is going to keep His Word. And as He says in verse, uh, if you look at verse 8 and verse 9, He says, The Lord has sworn by His right hand and by His strong arm, I will never give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. Again, God is saying, I am strong enough. I am faithful to do what I've said I am going to do. That's why he uses the picture of his right hand and his strong arm. The psalmist uh, reminds us of this in Psalm 89.13 of God's strong arm or his right hand, speaking of God's strength and his faithfulness when he says, Thou hast a strong arm, thy hand is mighty, thy right hand is exalted. Psalm 98.1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained the victory for Him. And this is what Isaiah is reminding God's people, that God's hand and His arm are strong enough in faithfulness to accomplish, to do all that He has said He is going to do. This is the encouragement that Isaiah is giving his God's people. And then in verse 9, he's, he's talking about God's provision and God's protection, that God keeps His covenant, His covenant of blessing on His people. For a short time, He's going to discipline the nation of Israel. He's going to allow their country to be ransacked, to be destroyed, to be desolate, to be forsaken. They are going to go in captivity, but God says, I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'm going to provide all things for you once again. That's why verse 9 says, But the, those who garner it will eat and praise the Lord, and all those who gather it will drink in the courts of my sanctuary. He's talking about the restoration process that is going to take place. So with all that said, with all this encouragement, there's an expectation of the people to do something at this point. And that's what verses 10 through 12 speak about. So think of this. Because God will deliver His people, because God will reward His people, and God will accomplish what He has promised, what should Israel's response be to that? Is it just say, oh, those are nice words, and uh, we hope it works out? No, look what Isaiah says in verses 10 through 12. This is Isaiah's call to action. And in a moment, it'll be our call to action as well in the form of an application. He says this, Go through, go through the gates. Clear the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. Lift up a standard over the people. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Lo, your salvation comes. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. And they will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called sought out, a city not forsaken. 
Isaiah is saying, hey, all these things are true, but you have to come to the Lord. Right? It's a picture of Israel being in exile. God has paved the path for them to come back. He's flung open the gates of salvation to them, but they have to get up and leave. The picture is like, you know, it's a prison and the prison door is open. Do you want to stay in that prison or are you going to get out and come to the Lord? That's why he says, go through the gates. They have to come themselves. Each and every one of the Israelites at the time of the, uh, when God redeemed them out of exile, they had to get up and walk back to Israel. Some stayed in Babylon, but some had to come up on their own and decide, you know what, I'm going back to the land of my fathers. Go through the gates. Each and every one of the Israelites themselves had to believe that God was paving the way for them. But not only did they have to come for themselves, it looks like from the wording here, at least as, as, at least as I take it, that they need to help other people as well to come. Because look at what it says after he says, go through, go through the gates. He says, clear the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. It looks like it's a picture of, you know what, them helping one another to let's go. We're going to clear the roads. We're going to remove all the stones and the rubble. Somebody's going to be up front holding a standard, leading the way, leading the charge to come back home. And so... It's not only you come, but grab your family and let's all go back to the Lord. Let's all go back home. That's the picture that is given to us through the prophet Isaiah. So their responsibility is to not only for themselves to come, but to help others come home as well. And the work's already completed for them. God in verse 11 is saying that He has already provided the way and provided salvation. He says in verse 11, Behold, behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Say to the daughter of Zion, Lo, your salvation comes. Behold, His reward. Salvation is a person, if you notice. Behold, His reward is with Him. And His recompense before Him. Salvation is in the Lord Himself. And He's already paid the price for them. So it's already paid. You just have to come yourself and you have to grab some other people and get them to go to, to the freedom that is in the Lord. The freedom back in the homeland. And when they arrive, look at what the Lord says about them in verse 12. When they get back home, it says, And they will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Again, it's a picture of God's covenant reestablished with His people. He says, you're my holy people. You've been redeemed by God. You've been sought out a city not forsaken. You were once forsaken, but I sought you out and I've brought you back home. And so this is the encouragement that Isaiah is giving to his people about the future. And so I want to just bring this home to each and every one of us this morning because I hope you can see yourself in these pictures of encouragement. For not only for those of you who know the Lord, but for those of you this morning who are maybe, you know what, I don't really know the Lord. Or maybe I've walked away. I've turned left or to the right and I haven't been on the path that I'm supposed to be on. 
Well, what's God's word to you? It's the same thing that Isaiah said to Israel in verse 10. Some of you need to go through, go through the gate. Some of you this morning need to get up and come to the Lord. You hear all these encouraging words, and they're not just words, they're actually calls to action. God can do all these things, but you have to come to Him. God has flung open the prison gate, or the gate to the prison cell, and the question to you is, are you going to sit there in this prison that you've built for yourself, or are you going to get up and come to the Lord? Some of you might even be, you know what, I'm going to stand here and I'm closing the gate. I don't want the Lord in my life. And you will suffer the consequences for refusing the Lord. But right now, I tell you, the Lord's opened that gate. He's unlocked the gate and He's telling you to come. He's telling you to go through the gates and come to Him. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.